Chapter Five of the Gifts of the Child Christ by George MacDonald. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Five. On Christmas Eve, the church bells were ringing through the murky air of London, whose streets lay flaring and steaming below. The brightest of their constellations were the butchers' shops with their shows of prize beef. Around them, the eddies of the human tides were most confused and knotted but the toy shops were brilliant also. To Fozy, they would have been the treasure caves of the Christ child, all mysteries, all with insides to them, boxes and desks and windmills and dovecots and hens with chickens, and who could tell what all? In every one of those shops, her eyes would have searched for the Christ child, the giver of all their wealth, for to her he was everywhere that night, ubiquitous as the luminous mist that brooded over london of which however she saw nothing but the glow above the mews john jepson was out in the middle of all the show drifting about in it he saw nothing that had pleasure in it his heart was so heavy he never thought once of the christ child or even of the christ man as the giver of anything birth is the one standing promise hope for the race but for poor John, this Christmas held no promise. With all his humor, he was one of those people, generally dull and slow. God grant me and mine such dullness and such sloth, who having once loved, cannot cease. During the fortnight, he had scarce had a moment's ease from the sting of Alice's treatment. The honest fellow's feelings were no study to himself. He knew nothing but the pleasure and the pain of them but i believe it was not mainly for himself that he was sorry like othello the pity of it haunted him he had taken alice for a downright girl about whom there was and could be no mistake and the first hot blast of prosperity had swept her away like a hectic leaf what were all the shops dressed out in holly and mistletoe what were all the rushing flaming gas jets what the fattest of prize pigs to john who could never more imagine a spare rib on the table between Alice and him of a Sunday. His imagination ran on, seeing her pass in her carriage, and drop him a nod of condescension as she swept noisily by him, trudging home weary from his work to his loveless fireside. He didn't want her money. Honestly, he would rather have her without than with money, for he now regarded it as an enemy, seeing what evil changes it could work there be some devil in it sure he said to himself true he had never found any in his week's wages but he did remember once finding the devil in a month's wages received in a lump as he was thus thinking with himself a carriage came suddenly from a side street into the crowd and while he stared at it thinking alice might be sitting inside it while he was tramping the pavement alone she passed him on the other side on foot was actually pushed against him he looked round and saw a young woman carrying a small bag disappearing in the crowd there's an air of alice about her said john to himself seeing her back only but of course it couldn't be alice for her he must look in the carriages now and what a fool he was every young woman reminded him of the one he had lost perhaps if he was to call the next day polly was a good-natured creature he might hear some news of her. It had been a troubled fortnight with Mrs. Gratorix. She wished much that she could talk with her husband more freely, but she had not learned to feel at home with him. 
yet he had been kinder and more attentive than usual all the time so much so that letty thought with herself if she gave him a boy he would certainly return to his first devotion she said boy because anyone might see he cared little for fosy she had never discovered that he was disappointed in herself but since her disregard of his wishes had brought evil upon her she had begun to suspect that he had some ground for being dissatisfied with her she never dreamed of his kindness as the effort of a conscientious nature to make the best of what could not now be otherwise helped her own poverty of spirit and lack of worth achieved she knew as little of as she did of the riches of michael the archangel one must have begun to gather wisdom before he can see his own folly that evening she was seated alone in the drawing-room her husband having left her to smoke his cigar when the butler entered and informed her that alice had returned but was behaving so oddly that they did not know what to do with her asking wherein her oddness consisted and learning that it was mostly in silence and tears she was not sorry to gather that some disappointment had befallen her and felt considerable curiosity to know what it was she therefore told him to send her upstairs meantime polly the housemaid seeing plainly enough from her return in the middle of her holiday and from her utter dejection that alice's expectations had been frustrated and cherishing no little resentment against her because of her uppishness on the first news of her good fortune had been ungenerous enough to take her revenge in a way as stinging in effect as bitter in intention for she loudly protested that no amount of such luck as she pretended to suppose in alice's possession would have induced her to behave herself so that a handsome honest fellow like john jephson should be driven to despise her and take up with her betters when her mistress's message came alice was only too glad to find refuge from the kitchen in the drawing-room the moment she entered she fell on her knees at the foot of the couch on which her mistress lay covered her face with her hands and sobbed grievously nor was the change more remarkable in her bearing than in her person she was pale and worn and had a hunted look was in fact a mere shadow of what she had been for a time her mistress found it impossible to quiet her so as to draw from her her story tears and sobs combined with repugnance to hold her silent oh ma'am she burst out at length wringing her hands however can i tell you you will never speak to me again little did i think such a disgrace was waiting me it was no fault of yours if you were misinformed said her mistress or that your uncle was not the rich man you fancied oh ma'am there was no mistake there he was more than twice as rich as i fancied if he had only died a beggar and left things as they was then he didn't leave it to his nephews and nieces as they told you well there's no disgrace in that oh but he did ma'am that was all right no mistake there either ma'am and to think of me misbehaving as i did to you and master as was so good to me who will ever take any more notice of me now after what has come out as i'm sure i no more dreamed on than the child unborn an agonized burst of fresh weeping followed and it was with prolonged difficulty and by incessant questioning that mrs gratorix at length drew from her the following facts before alice and her brother could receive the legacy to which they laid claim it was necessary to produce certain documents 
the absence of which, as of any proof to take their place, led to the unavoidable publication of a fact previously known only to a living few, namely, that the father and mother of Alice Hopwood had never been married, which fact deprived them of the smallest claim on the legacy, and fell like a millstone upon Alice and her pride. From the height of her miserable arrogance, she fell prone, not merely hurled back into the lowly condition from which she had raised her head, only to despise it with base unrighteousness, and to adopt and reassert the principles she had abhorred when they affected herself. Not merely this, but, in her own judgment at least, no longer the respectable member of society she had hitherto been justified in supposing herself. The relation of her father and mother she felt overshadowed her with a disgrace unfathomable, the more overwhelming that it cast her from the gates of the paradise she had seemed on the point of entering. Her fall she measured by the height of the social ambition she had cherished, and had seemed on the point of attaining. But it is not an evil that the devil's money, which this legacy had from the first proved to Alice, should turn to a hot cinder in the hand. Rarely had a more haughty spirit than hers gone before a fall, and rarely has the fall been more sudden and more abject. And the consciousness of the behavior into which her false riches had seduced her, changed the whip of her chastisement into scorpions. Worst of all, she had insulted her lover as beneath her notice, and the next moment had found herself too vile for his. Judging by herself in the injustice of bitter humiliation, she imagined him scoffing with his mates at the base-born menial who had set up for a fine lady. But had she been more worthy of honest John, she would have understood him better. As it was, no really good fortune could have befallen her, but such as now seemed to her the depth of evil fortune. Without humiliation to prepare the way for humility, she must have become capable of more and more baseness, until she lost all that makes life worth having. When Mrs. Gratorix had given her what consolation she found handy, and at length dismissed her, the girl, unable to endure her own company, sought the nursery, where she caught Sophie in her arms and embraced her with fervor. Never in her life having been the object of such display of feeling, Fosie was much astonished. When Alice had set her down, and she had resumed her seat by the fireside, she went on staring for a while, and then a strange sort of miming ensued. It was Fosie's habit, one less rare with children than may by most be imagined, to do what she could to enter into any state of mind, whose shows were sufficiently marked for her observation, she sought to lay hold of the feeling that produced the expression, less than the reproduction of a similar condition in her own imaginative sensorium, subject to her leisurely examination, would in no case satisfy the little metaphysician. But what was indeed very odd was the means she took for arriving at the sympathetic knowledge she desired as if she had been the most earnest student of dramatic expression through the facial muscles she would sit watching the countenance of the object of her solicitude all the time with full consciousness fashioning her own as nearly as she could into the lines and forms of the other in proportion as she succeeded the little psychologist imagined she felt in herself the condition that produced the phenomenon she observed as if the shape of her face cast inward its shadow upon her mind, and so revealed to it, through the two faces, what was moving and shaping in the mind of the other. 
in the present instance having at length after modelling and remodelling her face like that of a gouda percha doll for some time composed it finally into the best correspondence she could effect she sat brooding for a while with alice's expression as it were frozen upon it gradually the forms assumed melted away and allowed her still solemn face to look out from behind them the moment this evanishment was complete she rose and went to alice where she sat staring into the fire unconscious of the scrutiny she had been undergoing and looking up in her face took her thumb out of her mouth and said is the lord chastening alice i wish he would chasten fosy her face was calm as that of the sphinx there was no mist in the depth of her gray eyes not a cloud on the wide heaven of her forehead was the child crazed what could the atom mean with her big eyes looking right into her alice never had understood her it was indeed strange if the less should comprehend the greater she was not yet capable of recognizing the word of the lord in the mouth of babes and sucklings but there was something in fosy's face besides its calmness and unintelligibility what it was alice could never have told yet it did her good she lifted the child on her lap there she soon fell asleep alice undressed her laid her in her crib and went to bed herself but weary as she was she had to rise again before she got to sleep her mistress was again taken ill doctor and nurse were sent for in hot haste handsome cabs came and went throughout the night like noisy moths to the one lighted house in the street there were soft steps within and doors were gently opened and shut the waters of mara had risen and filled the house towards morning they were ebbing slowly away letty did not know that her husband was watching by her bedside the street was quiet now so was the house most of its people had been up throughout the night but now they had all gone to bed except the strange nurse and mr gratorix it was the morning of christmas day and little fosy knew it in every cranny of her soul she was not of those who had been up all night and now she was awake early and wide and the moment she awoke she was speculating he was coming to-day how would he come where should she find the baby jesus and when would he come in the morning in the afternoon or in the evening could such a grief be in store for her as that he would not appear until night when she would be again in bed but she would not sleep till all hope was gone would everybody be gathered to meet him or would he show himself to one after another each alone then her turn would be last and oh if he could come to the nursery but perhaps he would not appear to her at all for was she not one whom the lord did not care to chasten expectation grew and wrought in her until she could lay in bed no longer alice was fast asleep it must be early but whether it was yet light or not she could not tell for the curtains anyhow she would get up and dress and then she would be ready for jesus whenever he should come true she was not able to dress herself very well but he would know and would not mind she made all the haste she could consistently with taking pains and was soon attired after a fashion she crept out of the room and down the stair the house was very still what if jesus should come and find nobody awake would he go again and give them no presents she couldn't expect any herself but might he not let her take theirs for the rest perhaps she ought to wake them all but she dared not without being sure 
on the last landing above the first floor she saw by the low gaslight at the end of the corridor an unknown figure pass the foot of the stair could she have anything to do with the marvel of the day the woman looked up and fosy dropped the question yet she might be a charwoman whose assistance the expected advent rendered necessary when she reached the bottom of the stair she saw her disappearing in her stepmother's room that she did not like it was the one room into which she could not go but as the house was so still she would search everywhere else and if she did not find him would sit down in the hall and wait for him the room next the foot of the stair and opposite her stepmother's was the spare room with which she associated ideas of state and grandeur where better could she begin than at the guest chamber there could it be yes through the chink of the scarce closed door she saw light either he was already there or there they were expecting him from that moment she felt as if lifted out of the body far exalted above all dread she peeped modestly in and then entered beyond the foot of the bed a candle stood on a little low table but nobody was to be seen there was a stool near the table she would sit on it by the candle and wait for him but ere she reached it she caught sight of something upon the bed that drew her thither she stood entranced could it be it might be perhaps he had left it there while he went into her mamma's room with something for her the loveliest of dolls ever imagined she drew nearer the light was low and the shadows were many she could not be sure what it was but when she had gone close up to it she concluded with certainty that it was in very truth a doll perhaps intended for her but beyond doubt the most exquisite of dolls she dragged a chair to the bed got up pushed her little arm softly under it and drawing it gently to her slid down with it when she felt her feet firm on the floor filled with the solemn composure of holy awe she carried the gift of the child jesus to the candle that she might the better admire its beauty and know its preciousness but the light had no sooner fallen upon it than a strange undefinable doubt awoke within her whatever it was it was the very essence of loveliness the little darling with its alabaster face and its delicately modelled hands and fingers a long nightgown covered all the rest was it possible could it be yes indeed it must be it could be nothing else than a real baby what a goose she had been of course it was baby jesus himself for was not this his very own christmas day on which he was always born if she had felt awe of his gift before what a grandeur of adoring love what a divine dignity possessed her holding in her arms the very child himself one shudder of bliss passed through her and in an agony of possession she clasped the baby to her great heart then at once became still with the satisfaction of eternity with the peace of god she sat down on the stool near the little table with her back to the candle that its rays should not fall on the eyes of the sleeping jesus and wake him there she sat lost in the very majesty of bliss at once the mother and the slave of the lord jesus she sat for a time still as marble waiting for marble to awake heedful as tenderest woman not to rouse him before his time though her heart was swelling with the eager petition that he would ask his father to be as good as chasten her and as she sat she began after her wont 
to model her face to the likeness of his, that she might understand his stillness, the absolute peace that dwelt on his countenance. But as she did so, again a sudden doubt invaded her. Jesus lay so very still, never moved, never opened his pale eyelids. And now set thinking, she noted that he did not breathe. She had seen babies asleep, and their breath came and went, their little bosoms heaved up and down, and sometimes they would smile, and sometimes they would moan and sigh. But Jesus did none of these things. Was it not strange? And then he was cold, oh, so cold. A blue silk coverlid lay on the bed. She half rose and dragged it off, and contrived to wind it around herself and the baby. Sad at heart, very sad, but undismayed, she sat and watched him on her lap. End of chapter 5